Hey, everybody. This is The Future Belongs to Creators. I'm here again without Charlie or Haley, but I do have some other hosts today. Joined by David and Morgan, fellow convert kidders. How are you guys doing? Hey, we're good. Well, I'm good. How are you? Uh, good, man. Good. I'm good, too. <laughs> yeah, Morgan started by waving. And then you have to remember that this is an audio thing so that, that the wave doesn't translate. Exactly. <laughs> Although I can just like be the closed captions to everything that you do physically. Perfect. Uh, so Morgan, Morgan waved. You can narrate all of it. <laughs> yeah, you're dealing with a lot of uh, podcast rookies lately. Uh, with everybody on sabbatical. That's all right. It's been fun. I, I know you guys are going to do great. So the reason that I had you guys on today is because uh, we want to talk about brand identity and design. And can you guys talk a little bit about sort of what you do for ConvertKit and why you would know anything about design? I'll start with you, David. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I am... By official title, the senior marketing designer at ConvertKit. So I actually work really closely with Charlie, who is the usual host. And I look after a lot of this stuff, pretty much the web presence, uh, the marketing website. I oversee and art direct a little bit of social media design and things of that nature. But anything visual that you see with the brand, and then also some strategic stuff behind the scenes. But I guess the easiest thing to say is convertkit.com is kind of like my domain. Oh, it's your domain. Oh. <laughs> no, not literally, but you get the idea. Nathan? <laughs> yeah, and I know, Morgan, I know you're an account manager here at ConvertKit, but I know that you've been you've been inspiring a designer for some time now. You've done some design work as well for some of the stuff that we do. So tell us a little bit about that if you want. Yeah, I would say I'm an aspiring ConvertKit designer. I've dabbled in a handful of projects over the years working with Charlie, the brand director now. And I recently designed the craft and commerce slide deck if anybody was at the conference. Mm -hmm. So that was like a project that I own that was pretty cool to bring to life all by myself. Other than that, I've designed a couple really old web pages, <laughs> done a handful of smaller projects. The old web pages are in like the old brand. So that's when you know that they're old. It's like they are not relevant. They need to be redone. David, I'm sorry. That's another project you're going to have to take. <laughs> but yeah, it's something I definitely, I've done a little bit of and my goal is to do more of in the coming months as well. Yeah, that's cool. So I didn't actually get to see Nathan's uh thing on craft and commerce. So I didn't actually get to see the slide deck, at least not in person. I know we have videos of it, but um, I heard it went really well. So yeah, you did the whole thing. It was the whole, the whole conference, the whole conference slide deck, not Nathan's. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought it was just like Nathan's keynote. Okay. All right. No, Nathan actually designed his own. Yeah. I think it took him like 12 <laughs> hours or more. Yeah. And it was naughty Nathan because it was not on brand. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's funny. I was going to transition here to um, have you heard. And in my mind, I thought, have you heard that uh, Nathan, our, this, our, our fearless leader, not on brand, <laughs> not on brand, but that's okay. Uh, that's coming from the brand team. So they're allowed to say things like that. Yeah. Well, speaking of you heard, one thing I wanted to talk about before we dove into all the design stuff is, uh, so Facebook, now Meta, who, as you know, owns Instagram and a bunch of other things. They they're adding exclusive content options uh, for paying subscribers to help creators build their audiences. So as you've 
probably have heard, I think we've talked about it on this podcast, is that they're trying to help community building for creators. So there's a few like subscriber-only features that will help incentivize users to sign up and support creators via subscriptions. So like similar to what people like uh, or companies like Patreon are doing, where you know there's specific things for your subscribers that you can offer them to kind of incentivize them to you know, give you their money and sign up for what you're offering. And I think Meta is trying to do that now more and more with subscriber chats, which allow like exclusive chat sessions for up to 30 people at a time and, uh, you know, kind of helping build community and stuff like that. So they're trying really hard to help monetize. We've talked before about, you know, Instagram doing this and they're trying hard to, I think, diversify their portfolio because ever since Apple basically like shut the door on all that privacy stuff, it's kind of had them and even us actually scrambling too because it affects how people, what we can see when people open emails and all that crap. So, yeah, I was interested to see this as well. Uh, kind of adding to this news was that I read that they've pulled people out of their product, like design and, and the resources there around their text-based features like news and things like that. And they're putting it into more creator economy tools like this stuff. And I know when you shared this link with us, I shared it with my fiance, Morgan, who I'll probably talk about a lot in this episode because she's a (laughs) a somewhat successful creator herself. And she was really excited to see these features coming because she's been 50-50, like, do I do a Patreon? How else am I going to like monetize an audience? And uh, this kind of stuff built into the tools that she's already using is is very exciting for creators. Yeah, like exclusive stories. You know how right now you have your, your close friends, you have your regular story, you got your close friend stories. Well, then now you can do a story just for your subscribers, which is pretty cool. So yeah. if your fiance Morgan wants to do something special just for the, her subscribers, she can send it specifically to those people and they're getting something for their money for their subscription. So yeah. That's kind of cool. It's kind of cool that more and more companies are doing things that are specifically geared towards getting more money into the content creators. Last week, we talked about being sponsored and we talked about different ways to monetize your business, but just like being able to directly get money from people and having fewer middlemen is actually really cool. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Morgan? What uh, did you have a, have you heard for us? Yeah. So mine is actually a quote that my stepdad had forward, had sent me this after he had read it in his, in a newsletter. And so then I went and I read the whole newsletter. I was super inspired. And then I subscribed to this guy, Justin Welsh. I subscribed to his newsletter, the Saturday solopreneur. So there's a couple of quotes that I'm going to read in here. He had included a tweet from a guy named Daniel Vassallo that said, find something you want to do really badly and you won't need any goals, habits, systems, discipline, rewards, or any other mental hacks. When the motivation is intrinsic, those things happen on their own. Then Justin's follow-up was, so ask yourself this, what am I absolutely obsessed with? What could I research, break down, and share with the world daily that would feel like play instead of work? (laughs) (laughs) But I just love that because I think what we'll, we'll talk about a little bit later is as I've started to work on my side hustle more, I've found that it it isn't something that I need. Of course, like creating some of those habits, I think those are going to come over time as I do it more. But it's something that I look forward to every single day. It's something that brings me a lot of joy. And I don't necessarily need those systems, discipline, rewards, any of those types of things I don't need at this point. And it really resonated with me. And I think that will resonate with a lot of other creators out there. 
And also Justin Welsh, his newsletter is a great resource. I was reading through some of his past newsletters. Great resource for other creators. So just giving him a shout out on that as well. Yeah, that all sounds really cool. I'm actually looking at at the link that you sent me. It's uh, if anybody is in need of any kind of inspiration or feeling a little bit of a slump, that's definitely one of those like pick me up reads. So mm-hmm. really cool. He also has a really great thread on Twitter. I think it was things that he now knows at age 41 that he wishes he knew at age 21. There's a ton of good pieces in there. Can we add things like links to show notes? Yep, we will. Okay, we'll add some of these links to the show notes. But yeah, super great for creators, super inspiring. They just resonate a lot. That's awesome. And then finally, David, what do you want to talk about as far as like, what have, what have you heard? Well, firstly, I love that, Morgan. I um, The first thing I thought of there was golf. Like I could definitely just talk about that all day and it not feel like work. <laughs> Which is why you have a newsletter on it. We're trying, we're starting. Okay. <laughs> so my, the thing I picked out was a story about Shopify launching their kind of sell on YouTube feature. I like this just because I'm a little bit Shopify obsessed. I've had multiple Shopify stores that have been temporary and come and gone and but they're just always adding new stuff and better ways to sell and the main thing i wanted to point out which i think is going to be really interesting is how they've added a way to create live shopping experiences and i immediately thought of like qvc 2.0 so <laughs> like instead of it being annoying like tv marketing and tv selling it would be creators who you already subscribing to, you know, like you want to hear from them. And if they're telling you how to buy what they're recommending to buy uh, and you can buy it right there without leaving the video, I think that's pretty powerful. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing this out in the world and um, maybe less QVC, more YouTube selling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would love to see David out there like showing off like a set of golf clubs or something like that. And just like QVC yeah, I style. I don't think people are buying golf clubs from me. I'm not good enough. If you want to be really bad, buy this golf club. <laughs> I thought you can start, you could be like happy Gilmore and just putt with a hockey stick. So. That's a better idea. <laughs> when you get your handicap down to the single digits, people will start buying golf clubs from you. Hopefully you never know. That is the plan. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Well, let's move on to our, our our main topic here. So I'm really excited to talk with this about you guys because I know you're really passionate about design. So I talk a lot about this podcast about how I'm a woodworker. So part of that has to do with design. Sometimes you can just grab a design online and just follow the instructions. And they say, you know, take this piece of wood and just cut it here, here, and here, and screw it together or glue it together, and boom, you have a chair or whatever. But sometimes, you know, part of that fun of it is creating it specifically something that you want that reflects your needs or your design aesthetic. So, can you just at a very high level talk about sort of where you begin to design something? What is the bare minimum you need to start to begin to design something like, say, a website or whatever? Morgan, you go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say literally an idea. I think, especially when we're talking about a website and social media, those are going to be two very different things, but obviously you need some sort of idea, some sort of direction on in what is this thing about? What is the goal of this thing? I know that's something that I've talked to Charlie a lot as I've been, I've worked on projects at ConvertKit specifically designing web pages. It's like, what is the goal of this page that I'm creating? 
So for a landing page, that goal might be to get somebody to subscribe. For an image on social media, that might be to talk about a product that you have, or maybe again, to get somebody to subscribe to a certain thing that you might have. So really getting clear on what is the goal of the thing that you're creating first can then help inform some of the other decisions that you make, like the design itself, what is on that page, what or page or image, what does the writing look like? What do the colors look like? All of that good stuff. Gotcha. Yeah, definitely. I think especially thinking of it, sometimes you've got to think of it from like a problem perspective, like if I'm solving a problem, but sometimes you're just thinking of it in more of a creative way. Like if you're creating a video, you want to be able to tell a good story. If you are creating something for an email newsletter, you don't want it to take up too much space. Or So you've got to think about things that put you into this like almost creative constraints, which and constraints can be a good thing so that you're not like doing something that's going to take you three years to make. If you know you're creating something for Instagram, you know the sizes, you know what you need to put together. So just thinking about that idea first. Yeah, I definitely echo that. I like what you're saying there about constraints. I feel like the worst situation in the world is like sitting in front of a blank sheet of paper with a pencil and just someone just being like, draw something. I was just like, what? Like, <laughs> at least give me some kind of a constraint, right? Like a puppy, an animal, yeah. a house, something, <laughs> a tree. But I mean, I feel like I, I feel the most creative when I'm constrained because then I feel like what is now I'm thinking, what is the best possible thing that I could make given the fact that there's so much that I can't do. So Mm -hmm. what's left after you strip away everything and all that's left is I have to make something for this small space that achieves the goals that I'm trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. Constraints for me are like the biggest inspiration Mm -hmm. as far as when it comes to being creative. Yeah. And that's why creating a brand and a brand identity is so daunting because there's no like single output. You like are creating a bunch of things that create this one thing known as your brand. So you almost don't know where to start. So I guess we'll talk a bit more about that as we go on now, but that's why something as big as creating a brand identity is so scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is like a bit of like a house of cards. So when we're talking about like doing things like establishing your brand colors and, you know, fonts and images and all that stuff, it's a little bit difficult because if everything is informing one another and everything is based on like something that you've, like if you create this one asset and then you're moving on to something else, you're keeping things in mind that you've already made to make sure that they play well with each other. And sometimes that means having to go back and change something that you might've already thought of as completed, but now this new thing that you made doesn't make sense with that old thing that you made. So How do you kind of go about that process of like creating something that's cohesive and it looks like it all plays with each other? Morgan, you want to go ahead? Yeah. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I was going to start by saying, don't overthink it. One example that I want to use is a side hustle that I had. We were just talking about this before the show. I had actually started my Instagram account almost two years ago and I wasn't super clear on the direction that I wanted to go in, the vibe I wanted to give off, the message that I wanted to communicate. I didn't have brain colors. I didn't have any of that picked out. And it was extremely overwhelming, like we've talked about. Like there were so many different options. And at first I started on creating and then I got really wrapped up in this needs to look perfect. I need to 
refine all of these things. I need to perfect my website. I need to have the perfect font, the perfect body font, the perfect colors, brand logo, you name it. Like I think I've made 10 different iterations of a logo that ultimately I never used. I don't think I have a logo <laughs> on anything that I use now <laughs> still because a couple of months ago, I picked things back up. Like I had used perfecting everything as an excuse to not create things because I was so wrapped up in perfecting the brand itself. And looking at things now, a couple months ago, I picked things back up and I was like, I just need to start creating. I need to come up with a handful of words that would describe my brand. I think that was a really good place that I had started. I, I learned it on some training that I had taken online and coming up with a handful of words that I wanted to describe my brand. I think I came up with educational, playful, bright, something along those lines, warm, inviting. Like I came up with a handful of words and then I started creating content and implementing different colors or images based on those words that I'd come up with. And I found that that was a much better starting place because I was creating content and I was actively learning as I was creating. When you get so focused on the big picture of a website, a logo, colors, images, everything, and you're so focused on perfecting it, it can be a really good excuse to not actually do the work itself, which is where you'll actually learn the most about yourself, your brand, and, and what you want that brand to be to people that are finding it and consuming it and interacting with you. Yeah. So that's where I would start is like, at the very basic level, like, what do you want? What's the vibe you want to give off? What are a handful of words that you would use to describe your brand or your ideal brand? And then start creating some things that aren't perfect, like get rid of the whole focus on perfection and start creating. And I think some of those things will come to you over time. Yeah. I feel like doing the thing, oftentimes you learn so much more. Like if you spent all this time during like the pre setup phase and you're kind of like figuring out your, your ideas and your brand and everything and how you want things to be, you can even get it to the point where you feel it's perfect. And then after it's finally perfect, you launch it and you realize that you were really off about it. So I guess it wasn't perfect. So who the hell knows what, what the fuck that is anyway? So exactly. I'll give you a perfect example. So in a past life, I was a teacher and I went to, I went to college to be a teacher and I got a degree to be a teacher. So I went through all these classes <laughs> and I did all this stuff and I wrote all these papers and I read all these like things about different philosophies of teaching and, and theories about how people learn and blah, blah, blah. And like, yeah, I spent years learning how to, to teach and then my last semester is when I do my internship where I just spent three months being a teacher. And basically all that shit I learned was almost useless. And <laughs> it turns out that actually just being in a classroom teaching taught me the most about being a teacher. Yeah. I learned more in those three months than I did in the last three years of college. I mean, I guarantee that that is the facts mm -hmm. because I went in there thinking, oh, this is what teaching is like. And then my first lesson plan blew up in my freaking face <laughs> because you don't know that there's so many unknown variables. Every kid in that room is an unknown variable, whether they respond to you, whether they give a shit about what you have to say, if, you know, there, there's so many factors that you don't even know exist. So it doesn't matter how perfectly lined up your dominoes are. Mm -hmm. It's never going to be what you think it is. So just get shit out there and just start doing stuff mm -hmm. is really good advice. Yeah. You just have to think of a few little pieces that you can continuously use, but if you're not sure, just make sure you do something because you'll 
learn what works and what more importantly, what doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So like if I could give you a practical bit of advice, like with colors, don't try and find a whole rainbow that works, you know, pick one primary color, one accent color, an accent color is usually something that stands out a bit more. Or for example, this is just a random example on a website, your accent color would be the button, for example. And then you just stick to that. Like, so you don't have to find three or four complementary colors that like fit in the triadic triangle of like (laughs) glory or whatever that thing is called. Just find little things like that and start with that and then make stuff and you'll figure out what works and what doesn't. I've literally, I love the, you said the triadic triangle, whatever. (laughs) Over the last two years. I have probably spent upwards of like, I don't even want to say it, probably like 24 hours, maybe more, like a full solid day, probably more, maybe 48, trying to find the perfect colors. And it's like looking back, (laughs) not even just the perfect colors, the perfect shades of pinks, because I wanted like (laughs) pinks and like sunset sunrise colors, like a warm energy. That's kind of the, the vibe that I wanted to give off. And I have just spent countless hours doing it. And a couple of months ago, I was like, I'm just going to pick one. I can literally change it whenever I want. Exactly. A couple of days ago, I changed the color on my landing page. Like these things can be a work in progress. And it was just a waste of time. Again, I use it as such an excuse to not do the work itself because that was something that was terrifying, was like actually creating the content and putting myself out there was the scary part. So I wasted two days of my life <laughs> trying to find the perfect pinks and complimentary <laughs> and it can become part of your story right like unless you're a design content creator when like your brand is almost a bit of a portfolio <laughs> like you can just admit to people you have no idea what you're doing in some or like it's yeah. different for you morgan because you like you do have a design experience and talent i've seen it but like for someone who is never like opened a graphics editor in their life, like make it part of your story. Like I've never done this mm-hmm. before. You know, this is yeah. me figuring stuff out. But like you said as well, Miguel, with all the stuff you learned in college as a designer who went to school for design, I should know all this stuff. Like I've just <laughs> looked up the words now because I don't remember them. There's the tetradic <laughs> color combination, triadic, <laughs> analogous. I'm like, I kind of know what it means, but it doesn't matter because when I put blue with yellow, I now know that actually looks pretty good together. So (laughs) you're just not going to know until you try. Yeah. But do you know why, you know, do you know the theory behind why blue and yellow are so good? I'll Google it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, if there's one thing I've learned in my time as in writing code is that, um, most people are just copying and pasting 90% of the shit that they're coding anyways. And you just like change a couple of periods and parentheses here and you just call it new code and go, boom, ship it. (laughs) So everybody thinks like they have to reinvent the wheel every time they do something new. And it's like, no, that's, if everybody did that, then society would still be in the stone age. Like we're all building on top of things other people have done. And then we just put our spin on it. That technically still counts as your creation just because you didn't start from the ground up doesn't mean it's not yours Mm -hmm. yeah and if you're looking to start something or grow something or launch something new just stay on the lookout for things that you like you know Mm -hmm. have a little bookmark folder in your in your browser or on your phone or something and just 
put stuff in there so that when you are ready to do something or launch something, you've got a bunch of references for your personal taste. Yeah. I love that idea using Pinterest. Like also just going back to the color thing. If you go on Pinterest and you type in color palette or pink color palette, that probably actually would have been a really great place for me to start. Would have saved you a couple of days of your life. (laughs) (laughs) There are so many, like there are people that have taken the time to already curate color palettes and colors together. That's a great starting point. There's a color palette maker website called colors or coolers.co. Yeah, that's a great one. Dribble.com. Like you said, bookmarking other brands, Instagram pages, websites, keeping track of fonts that you might like on different websites, things like that can help you like jump forward and kind of take different pieces or be inspired from different people, websites, you name it. And that can be a much better place to start from. Is coolers the one where like you can like take a color sampling tool and just be like this color and then it will like automatically generate other complementary colors so you don't even have to like fish around? Yeah. And then you can just keep refreshing it and then you can like save a couple and then the others will refresh. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's cool. Cooler. Coolers. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I just I go like most used colors sort by like most popular. Boom. There's my color palette. so he knocked it out in three seconds morgan literally (laughs) just sunk two days of our our very life i don't want to talk about it anymore (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna promise to bring it up at least three more times i really exposed myself there (laughs) so one last thing when it comes to design we talked a little bit about getting kind of getting caught up in the process so assuming you have already figured it all out and you've got something going we've talked a little bit about iteration and change and things like that. Is there any advice that you all can think about for people who are who are maybe thinking about redoing their brand? People some are sometimes afraid of changing something because you've done all this work to establish a certain look or a certain color or you've had this logo on your page for 2 years but now you're thinking about changing it. Is it a step back to redesign and relaunch or redo something? Like are you having to kind of reteach everybody to get used to your design again, if you change something, are you better off just sticking with what people know? I would say it depends on the situation. Like a huge brand, like if Coca-Cola would decide to rebrand brand today, <laughs> it would be a very, very expensive exercise. <laughs> so it depends on on what you're doing. If something just isn't working, like I don't know if you are a air conditioning company and your branding makes it look like everything is on fire, then maybe (laughs) it would be a better idea to change it. But I would just be careful of the timing. Like, I don't know if you sell products and like it's Christmas season or something like just be conscious of that. But again, you don't need to reinvent the wheel on the flip side of that. Having a fresh brand can just bring bring people back to you who may have uh, lost interest. It can sort of freshen things up and have it be something that brings people back again. But yeah, it definitely depends on the the size of the brand and, and the what's at stake, I guess. But yeah, you should never not consider it because you are fearful of that. Oh, that's good advice. Yeah. Coca-Cola should definitely just rebrand. Just <laughs> it should be green now. <laughs> just, Yeah, it's a brilliant brand example because it just has not changed since day one, basically. For a lot of the people that would probably be listening to this podcast, 
I would say making pivots, making adjustments is probably going to be okay. Again, like David said, it does depend on your size, your audience, how connected people are to your brand, Mm -hmm. I think is a big one. Like if people really resonate with your colors, your imagery, all of those things, like maybe do a little bit of brand research. If you think that might be the case, I think for a lot of independent creators, smaller businesses, doing a rebrand is probably going to be okay. It probably is going to bring some of that new energy, new audience, bring people back to you like David was talking about as well. And again, as individual people, we change over time. My Instagram, when I created it two years ago, is very different to what it is now because I feel like, like I said at the beginning, I didn't really know what direction I wanted to go in. I didn't know what message I wanted to communicate. I didn't know what audience I wanted to talk to. And I think a lot of creators are going to be in that position for a while at the beginning of creating their brand, or they might have this specific vision of what they want their brand to be, but then they might get feedback from their audience that that isn't what they want or what they need. And it might require a pivot or a change in brand, change in message, change in colors, whatever some of those things might be. Before making any big brand changes, like have a clear path on if you're changing your name, a bit a name change is going to be a big one of like, let your audience know over and over and over again before that change happens. That'll be a, a message you'll want to like really nail into the ground and like make sure people understand and they'll know where to find you and who you are. What I would avoid is multiple rebrands like straight after another, because there's just not going to be enough time for anybody to adapt to who you are and and what you're putting out. One last question that I had about this. So the title of this podcast episode is establishing the brand ID. So assuming that it's all done and you've got it all hammered down, can you think of any good strategies for how you can help establish your brand in the minds of people. You know, there's all kinds of sort of techniques that brands use all the time, whether it's like if in a commercial on the radio, they'll repeat the name like seven times within that one 15 second clip because they want you to remember it. Or like they'll say a phone number like three times rapid fire at the end. So that way it like sears itself into your brain. Like, do you guys have any sort of, things like that that can help people like how do you get people to remember your brand and think about you like for example if you're coming to a website like how do you create a website that you feel comfortable that when people leave it it'll make an impression on them and they'll want to come back that's a good question that's like pretty much my job and uh, (laughs) (laughs) it's tough a lot of it is like repetition making like in our case if we're a software company, we, we want to have consistency across social assets and our website. So it's, it's all recognizable, you know, it's hard to give an example on a landing on a website because it depends on, on what you're trying to solve for on the website. But I can think of a ton of things that make you just have little things that can have you be remembered speaking about my fiance Morgan again on her podcast, every time she signs off, she says like, love you like a sis. And because her audience are primarily females and they're all in the sort of entertainment gossip world. And that's just become a little thing that they all say. And it's become a little hashtag on her like TikTok and her Instagram posts. So there's things like that. You can do that aren't necessarily visual, but can help you be, remembered and just keep kind of 
build a little bit of a community. Mm-hmm. Another one I'd noted, I know I'm jumping around our show notes here, so sorry about that. But um, <laughs> I used to watch Ask Gary V when it was in its prime on YouTube. And I remember every episode, he had a different thing on his desk. Like he had like a, a bobblehead or he had a baseball bat the next one. And like it would always change and it would that would create conversation in the YouTube comments because people would talk about the object or what it is. or So there's like lots of little things you can do um, outside of visual design to get yourself remembered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like that. You know, we should probably start doing something like that on this podcast. Here we go. Come up with a slogan or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably not. I'll leave that up to, to Charlie. She's much better at stuff like that than I am. So <laughs> I'll just do whatever she says. <laughs> All right. So... Before we go, I want to talk about Morgan, actually. So we always do a shout out on here. So we wanted to talk about uh, shout outs. And we've talked about it a little bit about your side hustle on, on uh, Instagram. And it also has a, a nice web page. It's called Root and Rise, right? Why don't you tell us a little bit about yeah. what that is and what you're trying to do with it and how it's going? Yeah. So like I've talked about, I originally created my Instagram two years ago. I figured that was the Best starting point was to just start creating content. And then, like I've mentioned, I wasn't super clear on my audience, my purpose, who I really wanted to serve, who I wanted to help. I think I was taking more of like a general approach of posting content about fitness, wellness, nutrition, all of that sort of thing. I was also still learning a lot back then. After I'd started that, I was in an online fitness internship. Then I did an in-person fitness internship for a couple of months where I learned a lot more and I started to get more and more confident after that. Then I obsessed over my website for my website and creating a freebie or an incentive. That was another thing that instead of just creating a version one or like getting something out the door, I spent a year thinking about my website and an incentive instead of actually like creating something, which was a little painful. Fast forward to the beginning of this year, I was like, I'm going to create an incentive. I'm going to start everything back up, dilly down a little bit more. And then a couple months ago, I really jumped back into things. But my purpose with Root and Rise on Instagram, it's at underscore Root and Rise. And then my official website is rootandrise.co. But on stronggirlsummer.com is where I have my free one month program. That's a landing page I actually created on ConvertKit because I needed to get something up and running a lot faster than spending or wasting a lot of time perfecting things on my website and wrestling with Squarespace. So yeah, my goal with Root and Rise is to help other young women specifically end the binge and restrict cycle, stop yo-yo dieting, build strength and confidence, and become healthier, better, happier versions of themselves. And so really taking the focus of the focus or distraction of like, as young women, looking at other people on social media, wanting to be other people, wanting to look like other people and taking that focus and helping other women focus on themselves, focus on getting better, stronger. That's the goal. That's awesome. I love it. What color of pink did you finally decide on? Was it like salmon or what are we talking here? (laughs) You can go to stronggirlsummer.com. It actually kind of looks like the same convert kit pink in here. Stronggirlsummer.com that has the latest pink. All right. You heard it here first. If you're curious about the color of pink, you got to go to stronggirlsummer.com to figure out what the hell we're talking about. (laughs) I love what you did though, where you just decided let's go for the landing page because Hmm. like I'm a designer for a living 
and even I'll advocate for choose the thing that is as simple as possible mm-hmm. that can get the job done. Like I use ConvertKit landing pages as well. And like I could custom design something and custom build something, but mm-hmm. that's just going to bog me down in the details. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think there's so many tools out there that can get you up and running so quickly. So yeah, nicely done to get it out there. It looks awesome. One thing that actually really helped me was the last two years, I was kind of like twiddling my thumbs, picking different projects to focus on that was giving me again, that excuse to not actually do the content creation and putting myself out there because that was the really scary part. Like showing up on Instagram and talking to the camera and talking on stories and filming myself, like those are all very uncomfortable things. And I know a lot of other creators struggle (laughs) with too, but those only get better just like this podcast. Like I was nervous before this, but those things only get better the more that you do them. But anyways, I had set a timeline. I was like, I'm launching Strong Girl Summer by the first day of summer. Whatever I have ready to go then, I have to have something. Like I have some people that I've subscribed for it. It's something I've been talking about on Instagram. Like it was a timeline that I had announced to other people. It was related to the first day of summer. Strong Girl Summer is a very time box thing. Like it'll happen this summer and then I'll have to change it to something else. But giving myself that deadline, communicating that publicly and to other people helped hold myself accountable so that I couldn't spend more time looking at colors and (laughs) trying to wrestle with my Squarespace website to make it something that I wanted and all of those things. So that's another thing I would recommend for other people that are getting started is pick a date and hold yourself accountable to that. And that'll help you laser in on the things that are important. So that's when I decided... I'm going to stop with Squarespace. I'm going to look at my ConvertKit landing page. I'm going to pick one and it'll be done in an hour instead of God knows how many days. (laughs) And you picked a great shade of pink. Thanks. (laughs) That's coming from a professional designer. So, Uh (laughs) (laughs) All right, y'all. Well, one last thing is uh, next week I will be joining with another ConvertKit person named Colin, Colin Tate. We'll be here with us talking about SEO, and I think perhaps Charlie will be back by then, but I don't know if she'll be podcast ready, so no promises. But yeah, so we'll talk about optimizing your page to be found on a Google (laughs) search query. So with that, thanks everybody for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next week. Adios. Bye. See ya. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Future Belongs to Creators. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe so that new episodes appear in your podcast feed every week. And while you're at it, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. If you want to join us live for the next recording, you'll find us on ConvertKit's YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash ConvertKit every Wednesday at 1230 Eastern. This show, like everything we do at ConvertKit, is made for creators by creators. We're on a mission to help creators like you earn a living online, and we make software that helps you build and connect with an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. So to start building your audience, go to convertkit.com slash free and create a free account. We're looking forward to helping you on your creator journey.